Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Midpoint. My guest today is a phenomenal singer, a force of nature, a mother, a wife, a favourite daughter of Glasgow, and she is loving the freedom that midlife gives her. It's Charlene Spiteri, lead singer, of course, of the band Texas, the multi-million album selling artist who's been at the top of her game since the mid-90s. In 2000, I was on Stars in Their Eyes, I should uh, just come clean with this, as Charlene Spiteri singing Say What You Want. I was awful, but she sent me roses, so she is one of the coolest women I know, even though I tried to imitate her badly. I think you are really going to like her. Solgar are back on board and supporting us as always. This winter, it seems like the common cold is really doing the rounds in a very aggressive way. So get your immune system boosted with some vitamin C or some zinc or have a little look at the range and see what suits you. Right, get ready to fall in love with Charlene. Hi, Charlene. Hello. So, so good of you to come on. Thank you so, so much. I must I'm... admit, it's been it's been really nice speaking with friends that are doing podcasts. I've actually really enjoyed it because, I don't know, it just gives you a kind of little, little bit of insight into other sides of people that you know and that, that It are... does. And we're quite specific as well, being called Midpoint, obviously. Yeah. It's about this this period of life. So so we don't go back and dissect your childhood. Oh God, trust me. <laughs> I can I can go on for days about midpoint. I'm literally like, let's talk about it. <laughs> well, do you know one of the first things I want to talk about? Whether you think your experiences over the last few years that because I was looking at kind of midlife rock stars, right? And like there's so many men who kind of seem to tour forever and seem to go through that period with ease. Do you think men have it easier in in the kind of pop industry in that period of life? Oh God, men men have it like in the music industry. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, let, let's be serious. I mean, if I was a man in the music industry right now, I've had over 30 years of a career. I've had I've sold over 40 million albums. Um, I would be like a national hero, but I'm not because I'm a woman. And, you know, we are a female-fronted band. I mean, I must admit, I do feel I do feel quite sorry for the guys in my band sometimes because I kind of think guys usually would have so many more accolades if, if you know, you never had a, a woman fronting your band. But there's, you know, there's, there's the other side of it is, you know, sometimes, I mean, I can say things, I get with blue murder sometimes because I kind of like, I just, I play it. I literally go, yeah, okay. I'm just going to be so dry and so sarcastic. But, you know, they kind of go, if a guy said it, it would probably be a punch up. But literally, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm dying for the punch up. I just say it and just see what happens. I think I'm just going to say it just to like. But you are aware of it then. So obviously. Oh, 100%. Does, so that, so does it make you more determined to keep going and keep playing and keep producing and keep, you know, keep being out there and being that no, multi, multi. No, I don't, I don't care. Selling. Yeah, I don't care because I only do it, I only do it for, for me and for, for my band. Um, because I love it. I actually, I actually truly love it. I love what I do, but I hate the music industry. That's the, that's the absolute bottom line of it is like, I hate everything that the music industry stands for. Um, but I absolutely love writing songs and making music and, and playing live. I, I love it. But you being there and still being at the forefront of things and still being on major radio stations and major TV channels at your age with your experience, I think is so important. And the reason, you know, that you, the reasons that you hate the music industry, maybe we won't have time to get into, but you just being there now is such a defiance of that, isn't it? It's yeah, so I mean, it's, I'll be honest, it's a hard fight. I mean, you know, as a woman in sport and in and, and, and broadcasting, it's like, it's... You know, everybody kind of says, oh, it must be easier now. And it's like, actually, it's harder because the problem has been is 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 more covered. Um, The problems and the biases and the sexism and the bullying and all that is, you know, it's like it's, it's done behind very, very tightly closed doors now rather than it kind of being out there a bit more. Um, 
you know, but we've got a we've got a, a fight, and um, you know, hopefully for the for the the generations to come, that there will be equal equal opportunities, and because you know that's that's basically all we're asking for. We're asking for the equal opportunities and the equal recognition when we actually do achieve the exact same thing as a man would. And you know, as I always say to everybody, it's like, do you know what? Ninety eight percent of men are unbelievable. I love men. They're they're amazing. It's just that it's it's always it's like anything you know it's like it's like those horrible women that are real bitches that that you know there's only a very small percentage of them but they do muck it up for everybody else and it's <laughs> it's it's the you know it's those those men that are completely like you know let's you let's get rid of they're, them well they're scared aren't they they're scared yeah, they're, they're, they're terrified has, it's it's yeah. always you know you can you can see the fear in their faces you can see them going. This is what you know. This is what I want to act like, and this is what I want to say. But I've really got to watch myself. And she's absolutely terrifying the living daylights out of me because she's a powerful um, woman who is actually really good at what. There's nothing worse than than um, these kind of men that they're, they're terrified of women that are good at what they do. Mm, I've got a colleague who, and I do like him, but. He says this thing sometimes where I think you wouldn't say that to a bloke where he'll go, oh, here comes the temper. Now that's me trying to stick up for something that I believe is wrong in a situation. Here comes the temper. And it's like, what? So I've dropped my bag of roses and I've taken off my cloak and I've, you know, I've skipped through the garden and now I'm going to get a bit angry about something that's not right here. And then they do that thing. Oh, oh, oh yeah, time of the month. And you're like, mate, seriously, I'm way past time of month. Am I just shut the fuck up? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'll not get into next week. And then it's like, oh, but they still get the temper. It's like, it's like, you're like, I'm going to shut up because, I, you know, the thing is, is if you were a bloke, you'd probably knock him out, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be getting the temper. I would probably just like bop you on the end of your nose. But, hey. but I'm glad you said there's 98% of good guys because actually, you know, you've surrounded yourself with good guys. Right? I love in men. And- I absolutely love men. I love the company of men. I love the, like, you know, it's, it's weird. For me, it's just like, I don't ever think he's a man, she's a woman, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I like the people I like. Yeah. And, and that's it. You know, I have some girlfriends that are, um, you know, I have quite a, a few male friends that I'll go out and have lunch or I'll go and have dinner with. And they would be like, could your husband not go mad? I'm like, no, why? Why would my husband go mad, you know? And 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 I do believe it's a confidence thing. I think it's a it takes a very confident man and it takes a very confident woman to have those relationships. You got to know who you are and know what you what the relationship is and what the you know. I don't see every man and think, oh my god, yeah, you know, I fancy him or I've, I've got a sex with him <laughs> or whatever. Would you notice if because I was reading something the other day and I thought, God, this is me. I would not have a clue if anybody was flirting with me anyway. Oh no, I'm rubbish. I have no idea. My band have been telling me for years, going, he really likes you. Like back in the day when I was like young and whatever, and I go, what? Yeah, I really would be like, and it's funny because I can see it in my daughter now. My daughter's like, when, where, what? And I'm like, oh, God, he likes you. And she's like, no, he's just my friend. Don't you be stupid. I was really, because I, you know, I was just so geeky. I was so geeky when I was young. I was literally like, you know. Like, oh, do you think it's because... I think we're quite similar in the sense we both got a lot of male friends. We, we we go out with them with no intention of anything other than lunch. So do you think that kind of because we've got to that stage of comfortableness, we just wouldn't notice if somebody yeah. was? Or does it have to be so? I mean, because I wouldn't, um, maybe people are scared of us. I don't know. Oh, no, I, know, I mean, I definitely know that when I split up with Misty's dad. Did it all change then? Suddenly they came out the woodwork. No, I couldn't get arrested. Honestly, <laughs> God, I was literally, I was literally going to my pals, I'm an international pop star. Why can't I get a boyfriend? Literally couldn't get couldn't get arrested. And and some of the women that some of the guys that I know would go, I would think, she's a nightmare. She's an absolute nightmare. And somebody, a, a male friend of mine, told me what the prop what the problem was. And it was it was like you don't need them. And I was like, right. what do you mean? And he said, you don't need them. There's nothing that you need. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, I like, like I, I like, like them. <laughs> I, I like them. Is that not a better thing than need them to to like or to love someone? Is that not better than to need someone? And they're like, not really. No. <laughs> and I was like, oh my 
God, I was so shocked. I was really so when, shocked. So, so when Bryn came along, or you came, you, you met. Yeah, he did. He's younger than you, isn't he? He's ten years younger than me. Yeah. So, do you think that was a factor then at that point that he he could maybe I don't know, maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe just that ten years. Yeah. Well, the thing was, he didn't know I was younger than him, and I didn't know. Um, so I didn't know he was younger than me, and he didn't know I was older than him. We kind of thought we were like neat, like round. Maybe we thought it'd be a few years in it, but we thought we were round about the same age. But I remember like he'd walked me home from this party that I had invited him to and we're walking home and he was talking about something and I, and I said, oh, did da 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 And he went, oh, yeah, no, because, yeah, it was my, that, because that was when I was born in 1977. I'm not kidding. I nearly choked. I literally went, <laughs> 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 I was like, but, I went, what year were you born? He went, 1977. I went, okay. And he went, why, what? And I was like, 1967. I literally <laughs> was like, and he went, whoa. I didn't know you were, and, and I, was that like, old. I was like, you didn't know I was that old. I'm that old. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, so it was kind of a weird thing. Like, we didn't know what age each other were, but it was almost like we balanced each other out. I think the reason that Bryn and I worked really well is is because, you know, it's like, it's like you and Kenny, he's got his own life, he's got his own career, he's got his own thing. Oh my God, why does my door need to go at this moment in time and I'm the <laughs> go, only person in the goddamn room? Go, Let me just go, answer go. this. Two go, seconds. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming. That always happens coming, when there's no... Coming, 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 coming. Oh <laughs> no my woman. God. Was it an Amazon delivery? It was an Amazon delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what it was? It was a leaf blower. I just asked the leaf blower to stop before they started recording. Oh my God, there you go. <laughs> um, so, so he's 10 years younger and you're now kind of over 50. Yeah, I'm 54. Just turning 54. Going through a lot of changes physically and emotionally that one does in that time. Has he been a good ally for you? Yeah, I mean, he's he's been good, but, you know, it's like talking, you know, like Mr Miyagi talked to them. Like they just, you know, I was with my band and it was funny because our engineer, one of our songwriting partners is a woman. We were in Paris and her mum had come out. And the mum and I were sitting talking and her mum's like, I've just started going through the menopause. And I started laughing and I went, it's hot, isn't it? And she went, <laughs> and I went, I went, I laughed at my my girlfriend, Raggy. I laughed, she was sitting in my kitchen. It was the middle of winter and I'll never forget. She literally was like going, like taking her clothes off and pinning her hair up. And I went, come on, seriously, cannot be that hot. And she went, I'm that hot. And I went, I think I'll be all right because I'm used to being under hot lights and being on stage. And then it came and I am not kidding. I literally went, you are having a laugh. It feels like somebody is putting a Bunsen burner under your ass <laughs> and the heat literally is like, right. It is, it's insane. It is literally so hot that it takes your breath away. And I said to my band the other day, I says, listen, seriously, I went, see if men had the menopause, I says, there would be a five-year break in their lives that they were allowed <laughs> not to go to work. I says, it would be like, you were allowed this five years, time out. Oh God, I haven't done HRT or anything because I am just getting the sweats. Well, I think, I think you know, now I'm probably in about year three. So three or four years I've been, I've been in it. I've been so lucky. My sister, on the other hand, has been really, really unlucky. She had the worst time because she had hysterectomy really early on when she was 40. And they didn't put her on any HRT or anything. They said, oh, you're young, you'll be fine. I mean, literally, I didn't even know who my sister was. We had like a stand-up fight in my mum's kitchen. Her husband, who's actually the guitar player in, in Texas, he called me and he was like, this is this is a nightmare. She's my younger sister. And my sister literally went to do her shopping, came back out to the car park, couldn't find her car, and was sitting in the car park on the ground crying. Oh, my God. Literally was So having... did she get some kind of hormone treatment? Yeah, so basically I got her to my gynecologist. Right, okay, come now. We're going to get this sorted out. And she was so deficient in so many hormones and it had made her really ill. She was paranoid. She was having all these horrible thoughts. She felt suicidal. I mean, it was really, really bad. And um, lucky enough, we were able to get the help. 
Well, this is why I think these conversations are so important because there are so many symptoms that I had no idea until I started doing these podcasts. And I didn't do these podcasts initially to talk about menopause, but it comes up so much, obviously, with, yeah. especially with the women, but also with the men, because I think it is important men have got an awareness of what the hell's going on with their wives and their sisters and their mums. And But it infringes into their lives. Well, it affects relationships, it affects totally. their health. And so many women who are diagnosed with something to do with their mental health, when actually it's all to do with their menopause mm. and, you know, and it's not being treated properly so I'm so glad your sister has got help yeah I mean we literally thought my sister was having a nervous mm. breakdown and you know she was she she actually was in a way mm. but that it was being caused by and I would say probably about four days into starting to take the medication that was prescribed to her oh my god my sister's back yeah I'd, I'd literally said to my sister because she was with me and I went oh my god you're back You've been gone for a few years. Mm. You've been gone for quite a few years. And I was so, so happy. My mum was relieved. I mean... It changes the whole family, doesn't it? And My mum was worried sick. Yeah. My mum was worried sick. My, my brother-in-law, he just didn't know what to do. My eldest niece, she was literally, I don't know what's going on with my mum. Mm. She's like... And it had a massive effect on the whole family. You talk about the kids, it's a perfect confluence, isn't it? Because generally, you know, on average, we're having our kids kind of in our early 30s or whatever. And and then our kids are going through their hormonal changes at the same time, you know, so yeah. they're, they're coming into the world. And for me, why I kind of wanted to explore what was going on with my body was I wanted to be better around them. You know what I mean? Because I felt like myself getting a bit angry over things that weren't yeah. important. Mine was more mood rather than physical. I wasn't getting, I had a bit of a lack of joy. Yeah. A bit like your sister, I found out my hormones were on the floor and, you know, that that could be a, a, a thing to do with uh, menopause. And then suddenly the little things that were annoying me about the kids were no longer an issue anymore because I was able to put things kind of into, you know, context. And the family feels better then, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. I have kind of thought maybe... Maybe I should really, like, because the doctor did say, well, you, if you're feeling okay and you don't feel... But then again, I do have moments of literally, like, where something is like, I, I'm just like, oh, you're really getting right up my nose. Like, you, you really, you know, really... I was sitting in a, I was sitting in a restaurant yesterday, right? I was, like, I was having lunch with majority of my, my songwriting partner and a bass player in the band. We were sitting in a restaurant and there was a couple at the end and it was, like, a big, giant, long bench seat and um, they had a kid with them, probably about three years old, four years old. And this kid was... Uh, the, the shoes off, they were lying on something, they were booting the living daylights out of this this sofa, like literally booting it. Honest to God, it's so bad. I want to say, seriously, do you know what? Someone's worked really hard to build that and it's the restaurant and your kid's kicking the shit out of it. Teach your child to set up properly. <laughs> it's like before you know it, they'll be kicking the shit out of someone. I, I'm not, just imagining the Daily Mail story. That, um... <laughs> oh, Jesus. I was literally like, and then I literally caught myself and I went, Grumpy. Could Johnny see the red mist rising? Literally, you know the go- colour, it literally comes up. And then I went, what am I doing? Get a grip. It's a kit. It was like, oh my God. But stuff like that, I think, you know, maybe maybe it's that stuff's always bothered us, but you just notice it more a bit, don't you, I think? I know. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking maybe they should put me in a deep sleep for like a few years, wake me up when it's done. I'm just thinking I'm going to turn into one of those old women with a stick. Yeah, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be, I want to be angry about the right things. Do you know what? Yeah, I I do find that, I I mean, I mean, I've always, as you, same with you, I mean, I've never been one to kind of sit on the fence, to be honest with you. And then, then sometimes I think, you know what, there's a great freedom that comes with getting older. It's just that you don't, you properly actually don't give a shit. You just go, I'm just, I'm just going to say it because I don't need to make any friends. It's like, whatever. You don't like, you know that acceptance of like, they don't like me. It's like, yeah, fine. They don't like me. They don't like me. It's fine. You know, when you're young, you're a bit like, oh God, why can not like me? <laughs> now you just go, I don't care. They don't like me. Whatever. Move and on. And that is a genuine thing, isn't it? You don't spend any time, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you don't think about it. It's just. It really is. <laughs> yeah. I quite like it. Talk to me about image because you've always had such a, a kind of cool anti-industry, almost like an androgynous kind of, <laughs> But it is like, you know, when I look back to the 90s, and I, do you know what I did in, in preparation for speaking to you? I didn't do 
masses. I don't like to do a huge amount of kind of research in the sense of like, you know, knowing everything about your whole life. But the one thing I was interested to see was the kind of artists when you were topping the charts in the 90s, you know, the start of your career, who else was around and are they still around now? And I was looking at the mm. images of people. Well, the Spice Girls in 97 were kind of, had three kind of, you know, big hits that year. They were and, massive. Yeah, huge, they were gigantic. But their image was very kind of specific and manufactured, obviously. And your image to me, just did not look manufactured at all. It looked totally well. It organic. wasn't. It was funny because um, I'm doing t- I'm doing a I'm doing Graham Norton this week, and I went in to get um, get a suit, and I was buying a suit. It was quite funny because the woman in the shop, and she's like, you know, she knows me, and she's like, you know, and if when you get a stylist, and you should be, and I went, yeah, I only have a stylist to roll my fucking sleeves up. <laughs> I don't do stylists. Yeah, I've used stylists. I've worked. I've worked with some great people. Like when you shoot videos and doing yeah. everything and stuff. Like like Katie Grand, you know Katie Grand. I worked with Katie for years, and she she was always great. For me, she is a proper stylist because, you know, the the difference that that somebody like Katie can make to a video. So first of all, we'd all discuss what I wanted my look to be. So I'd be like, I want it to be like this, I want it to be like that. And then she'd get in. But then you go on set and suddenly Katie's sewing you into something. So she's pulling and she get like her foot in your back and she's pulling the back in. And, you know, you look like a bag of nails at the back, but on screen, like literally the difference that she would make to the shape because it'd be too big for me or the shoulders would be too wide. Because it was made for a six foot. Yeah, Amazonian, you know, runway. And I'd be like, it's too big for me. And and she would make it look fantastic. So, you know, to me, that's what a stylist is. A personal shopper, I can do that myself. But, you know, there's a big difference. There's a massive difference. It's the difference between being a musician and songwriter to just being someone that goes on and, and like sings songs. But I always think you wear your clothes, your clothes don't wear you. Oh yeah, it's because I, bat, I batter the living daylight to <laughs> my clothes before I put them on. <laughs> Literally my cleaner goes like, when she goes in, she goes like this, she'll be like, I'm ironing it. And I'll be like, don't iron it! <laughs> don't iron that! Like, but you, but suits, suits and all that kind of look, that's an enduring image, isn't it? You know, the tailoring is a... Well, I was obsessed with cowboys as a kid. I mean, it was ironic they ended up in a band called Texas. But, you know, I've always been obsessed with, you know, Steve McQueen, Robert Redford, Paul Newman. As far as female style would have went, it would have been people like Diane Keaton and stuff like that. And I, I would jump from being like wearing like, you know, like a really fitted suit, always with like Saint Laurent, like that real androgynous. I think because I was never pretty. I was never, even all the female, you know, musicians that that, um, appealed to me, people like Chrissy, Chrissy Hind and Patti Smith and everybody, Debbie Harry. I mean, I love Debbie Harry. It was, it's like, it's, I'm never going to look like Debbie Harry. I'm never going to be sexy like Debbie Harry just you know but it's just, it's sexy in a different way though isn't it there's you know. yeah and I've always said you know for me when when I did like when Jurgen Teller shot me for the front cover of um, White on Blonde and it was me holding the sweater up with just my eyes I mean I thought that was the sexiest thing on the planet because that is my idea of sexy my idea of sexy is what you don't see rather than what you do see nice yeah and and that was always but that was you know as a kid it was quite funny I mean I used to think that wearing American tube socks and um, cut off denim shorts was dead sexy but but and a pair of baseball boots just because that was what I liked. And I literally thought I was Steve McQueen. You know, I thought it was Jesse James as a little kid. You know, I used to wear chaps that my dad had brought back from America. And I was like, I thought it was cool as wearing Levi's when no one in the UK even had Levi's. And your image now is just as strong. Your look is just as strong. It's so brilliant, actually, that we as women now don't have to conform to kind of like a look. Like I was sadly yesterday at my beautiful grandma's funeral and she was uh, oh, only 50 when I was born, 48. So she was a young grandma, right? So, so but there was a point where she started dressing like, even though she was a stylish woman, she dressed like an old woman. And and I think like our grandparents and our parents didn't have it's that changed. liberation yeah. almost to be able to yeah. keep. And especially, I think when you're in the music industry, it's so important, isn't it, to not suddenly dress like an older yeah but I'll be honest there are I mean there are moments where I will be like oh I really like that look and then I go uh nope just kind of just past that hurdle I'm not going to dress like an old woman but there are certain things that 
now I know I can't wear. You know, like before I would wear brogue with a sock and a dress and something. But now sometimes, depending on what the, the step, it just, sometimes it's just, I just look a bit mouton. I'm a bit like, whoa, <laughs> pull it back. That's not a good look. And does Misty say stuff? Does she ever go, nah, no, mum? Or, or is she in full no, of No, literally Misty literally is nicking all my f- freaking clothes for when I was young you've got to make sure that it gets siphoned out to them because if you give it too <laughs> yeah. much they're about like you know I mean I really really look after my clothes I mean I will literally I could be as drunk as a skunk come home still take my clothes off and hang them on a hat I mean I'm that OCD I am a I'm, I'm a with total you. loser yeah, well, there you go. I've also, skincare, I, your skin's incredible. I'm guessing that applies to your face as well. You wouldn't go to bed with full makeup. Well, I don't wear it. I don't. You've got no makeup on at all now? No, I don't. I don't. Oh I mean, gosh. I do wear makeup. I put, I, like when I'm doing TV and stuff, I put makeup on. It's, yeah, I did have really, I had a really big problem with my skin at the the, the early days of Texas. Um, I had adult acne. Right. It was heartbreaking to me. Like, literally, I'd always had really nice skin. And then suddenly I started getting these big, sore, boiled things all around my chin. And uh, I saw every doctor. I went to homeopaths. I did everything. And um, I actually went to see a woman in Paris, Maria McKee, from from the band Lone Justice, had said to me, go and see this woman, Dr. Catherine Marie Plant. And I went to see her and she put me on Roaccutane. And Roaccutane is, is, is a pretty heavy drug. Mm. You've got to be really careful with it. I, I remember I remember going to bed that night and the doctor, she did say to me, she's like, you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to be covered. I mean, my skin was so sore with sores, with like boils and stuff. That was what cleared my skin eventually. But yeah, I went through a really bad acne um, period. Your skin's beautiful. So skincare is... I scrub. Yeah. I have like a Sonicare scrub like one of those things I love to wash my face and literally I use exfoliator and I just I love that feeling of washed face and that that is that's what it is in a scrub and your hair is obviously synonymous I mean you're you know you've always had that strong dark short hair and and that is obviously something that you know I can't I can't see you with long hair I can't see you uh with yeah kind of- it's, I'm not a long-haired person when I was growing up as a kid my dad was literally like my dad was proper old school he was like you can't cut your hair above your shoulder the, the, the woman's neck is the most central part of the body I was like <laughs> What is it, 17, I mean, 17th century? He's only yeah. home for like, he would do three months away, one month home. And literally we would put up him for that one month and we'd just be like, yes, dad, yes, dad. <laughs> Talk absolute junk, do you know what I mean? You know, my mum was so, my mum was so feisty, right? And it's really funny. And But my mum used to like put up with my dad's bullshit. And um, we're, I'm really mouthy because my dad is literally like in the, the ye olde days, and I think that's like, you know, my mum definitely made us the woman that we are, without a doubt. But it's such strong, you've got such strong hair, it's in great condition. Are you, do you notice a difference in your hair as you've got a bit older? Has it changed? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'll be honest, I'm doing the, for the first time in my life I've had to like, I, I, I did think I'm going to let it go white, but there's not enough of it. Like, I've just got, like, I mean, I would look like Pepe Le Pew if I, <laughs> if I let it come in at the moment. And... um Literally, I mean, I was a hairdresser for years, but I literally, I'm like, I could be, I could be somewhere else doing something else, sitting in the hairdressers, getting my hair dyed. Is this some kind of like wind up? Because I've never had to do it. But do you think, do you think, going back to the kind of music industry and the image, I I can't think of too many female grey haired singers who are in the charts. The only person I can think of is Emmylou Harris, who looks cracking with her hair white. I mean, do you know what? I'm lucky enough that, because I'm a songwriter, first and foremost, it's always about the music. Mm. You know, I can kind of get away with whatever I want because at the end of the day, I can open my mouth and sing the song and go, there mm-hmm. you go, thanks mm-hmm. very much, good night. But you're a personality singer as well, though, aren't you? You would never do a gig and not ha- engage with the audience in between your tracks. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't. Because the audience are the most important thing to the show. Um you know, the only moment that the show is yours is when you walk on the stage. You walk on the stage and you kind of set your stall out and you go, here we go. I was going to say, the energy you get back from those conversations. It's, it's, it's massive. It's absolutely massive. You know, the audience literally feed me. Who are they? Who are your audience now? Are they, the, are they, have they grown up with you? Are they 
I mean, the, you know, the really surprising thing is, is that every time we go back out with another record, the, the new album, High, I couldn't have imagined that the album would come in at number three. Congratulations on that. But but you kind of think, wow, you know, I'll be honest, I am literally a physical wreck before the chart, first chart position. I actually feel, I can't even talk. I'm like... Do you get as nervous as you ever did? Worse. Worse. Oh. Way worse. Why? Because every time it's almost like, is it watering down, is it watering down? Am I still relevant? And also you've got the other side of it is, am I still relevant as a woman? Because as women, there is a there is a point where there's so much we don't become relevant anymore. There's a million things that change, you know, even if you're just walking down the street and somebody turns, you know, I walk down the street with my daughter now and it's like, I am literally invisible. I am totally invisible. It's like, they, like, they don't even see you at all. I mean, it is quite, it's like, wow, you you really didn't actually see anybody else beside that person. And, and you know, you just kind of like, it is what it is. I'm not bothered that I'm not relevant physically, mm-hmm. but, you know, within, within songwriting, you know, I want to still be relevant and I still want to write songs that touch people. But I understand the difference. For instance, like when we did the first video for the single High, I mean, seriously, I hate making videos. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but when when Fen, the video director, said, we're going to do it like this and you don't need to be in it, I went, yes! And then she went, she went how do you feel about being in it right at the end, but you're going to be in the, the boot of a car? And I went, oh, my God, I love it. I absolutely love the idea. It's like so tongue-in-cheek. And it was fantastic. And literally, we've just been nominated for the first time ever for a music award for a video. But it's it's, you know... It's understanding what your relevance is within society at a certain age as a woman. And, you know, you asked me a question right at the beginning of the um, interview when you said, is it easier for men? You know, I look at men sometimes and, and I think, God, yeah, you got old and you've never, ever had to change in your life. Whereas women, we constantly We're used to <laughs> our lives. We've had to make sacrifices and we've had to change. There's 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 a point where, especially when you become a, a, a mother and there's a physical, a massive physical change within you, suddenly people see you in a completely different light. It's mm. like you changed, you changed overnight. Suddenly they don't look at you anymore in the way they looked at you previously. That's really interesting how you've kind of demarcated the relevance uh, physically Clearly, it's, you know, that's somebody else's issue and problem if they don't kind of want to see a woman of a certain age on stage. But the music and connecting with your audience is mm. still at the central core of everything you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It re- it really, really is. And, and so for me, like, it's like I'll adapt. I will adapt to my physicality and my the perception from the outside. And, and I'll adapt how I work with that. Whereas men, they, it's just, it's, it's a real problem mm. for them. It's a real, you know, you look at some of them and they're like 120 and they're still doing <laughs> like these moves. And, and like, it's like, I saw myself on stage the other day and I was doing something and I don't know, and I suddenly went, holy shit, I'm dancing like Cliff Richards. <laughs> what am I, what was that? What about the, the, you mentioned physical, what about how you look after yourself physically? Because being on stage is is tiring, right? So do you think about, is exercise important? I've never, I've never done exercise in my life. That is so bad. I'm not, I'm. You've got a dog, right? I've got a dog. I want, oh yeah. Do you know what? I'm not a couch potato. You know, like I'm always gardening. I'm always, I'm I'm outside. Do you think that your your attitude to um, exercise is set now, or can you see yourself kind of like thinking, "Oh, I'm getting a bit old. I've got to look after." Because you got things like the back. Listen, I blew three discs in my neck, and I have to be really careful, and I have to really watch my posture. But you know, I, I've done Pilates. Do you get anything like that? Um, yeah. But I'm not a gym bunny at all. I mean, my daughter was like, "Do you want to go to Bikram Yoga?" And I went. You can get lost. Well, you think I need to be hotter than I am already. Literally, I am so hot. Trust me, honestly, if you saw me running up and down stages, I still run around on the stage. I still jump up and down. You're physical. I'm physical. You know, that was the thing is like when they said to me when I was in hospital with my back, they said, do you jump a lot? And I went, no. 
And Bryn literally went, yeah, she jumps up and down, she jumps up and down all the time. I think we should, I should rename myself Tigger. So energy is fantastic. You seem to have, you know, endless amounts of energy, a lot of enthusiasm for things, all that stuff, which is often kind of ebbs away in midlife. That's not gone anywhere, has it? No, that's still, that's still like the energy's still there. The get up and go is still there. The only thing that, that's changed is when you physically hurt yourself, as, as you know, as you get older, suddenly the shock of, why is that not better? Mm-hmm. You know, why? why like, it just takes you know, longer. Everything takes longer. It just takes it? so long, but it's literally like, I mean, I don't have the patience for it. I'm literally like, just strap me up. Yeah, you, you know. feel those aches and pains, don't you? But Yeah, um, you really do. It's, it's a joy to be getting older, isn't it? I always think that as well. That, I'll know. be honest, I love it. You know, I, I'm really I'm really proud to say I'm going to be 54 in November. I literally am quite chuffed with that. You know, I look and I think, I mean, I look at things, I kind of do all the, oh, that would be nice, that would be nice. You know what? You also said about there's not a pressure on women to um, look a certain way. But I'll be honest, if I see one more woman with the same face, <laughs> I mean, why is nobody talking about this? Is it, why is nobody saying this? It's like, is, every, is it just me that's looking at a whole bunch of celebrity women and going, you look the exact same as her and you look the exact same as her and you look the exact same as her. What did you do? But it's getting younger and younger. That's the thing that worries me. It's like women in their 20s. But I don't think they do look younger. No, no, but they're, but they're starting to look the same younger almost it's almost like yeah I mean do you know what I'll tell you when I get when they when they bring out the time machine I'll be first in line I'll literally be like put me in it fantastic like make me all nice and tight it is this bit here is it I'm always I do that in the, it's the jowls the jowls you do that exercise where you're supposed to like lift your chin well because I sing all the time the oh you're doing that is, anyway the neck is not bad yeah the neck's good the neck literally goes doesn't it I mean it's, should I start singing then is that what I've got to do yeah. <laughs> either that or do a bit of deep throw it I don't know which one I've taken up loads of your time one more area that we haven't discussed we've talked about your voice a lot Mm -hmm. and how your voice will change and age because there's no reason why you can't be singing until you know the day before you pop your clogs right you can keep going but what do you do to look after your voice is that the part of your physical kind of specimen that you care about the most I really I really really look after it I got um, laryngitis beginning nodules probably about 10 years ago in in Antwerp when we were I was singing with an orchestra for a month and um one night I went on I kept getting this sore throat and I went on stage one night and I just went to this big note I went and it just stopped Mm shut down and what it was was I saw it was actually I saw Pavarotti's um guy in Switzerland um you know it's that thing where you have to go to like a really good specialist and knows the thing because you know there's a whole load of people make a load of money for me singing as as well as me do you know what I mean mm. so you're part you know, of the industry it's, it's, yeah it's part of a big wheel that Inc. turns Charlene for a lot Inc. of people yeah Jesus um <laughs> and basically I was allergic to cleaning fluid like when you're on the tour bus, when the, the toilet cleaner and all the stuff goes in, it was going into the AC and basically it was revolving around the bus. And basically the whole mucous membrane here all around my face literally looked like a big scab. It had all dried out. So there was no mucus being produced within my sinuses, everything. And my voice just stopped and that was what it was. So what does the tour bus smell like now? <laughs> the tour bus has got um we we are we are so high tech. We got a we got a, a tube for a a, a tumble dryer. <laughs> well I bet that you know that that slinky pipe. Yeah yeah we yeah. get one of them and fresh air completely just honest to God it's like fresh air fortnight and my it's like <laughs> in my little bunk how many how many nights consecutively would you spend on a, on a tour bus um you probably do three nights on one night off wow yeah and you still that's because that's another thing as well you think like your stage of your career and what you've done that you know you'd be going I'm not going do you, is going on the tour bus integral to the the kind of unity of the band do you think and being with them do you know what I think it probably is I mean we are a team without them I can't do what I do and without me they can't do what they do it's like you know all our crew everybody is like it's a really small team we don't have a massive entourage we keep it really tight really small 
and it's it's a lot easier. There's not a massive amount of egos to deal with. And, you know, the great thing about Texas is that everybody knows their place within the band. Nobody else is trying to do anybody else's job. So I'll be honest, being a wo- having a woman in a band is probably, like, because if any, any shit starts... I'll be the one that literally goes, <laughs> right! <laughs> Let's sort this out now. Do you just do you just nip it in the bud straight yeah. away? Right. Yeah. Instantly, it's like, mm. if anything, somebody's not happy with something or something, and it's like, right, what's the problem? And then they're like, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, And yeah. you just, you know, you've just got to be up get on with front it. like that and get on with it. It's like, okay, it's either, you know, I've always been really honest with my band. It's like, okay, you either want to do it or you don't want to do it. If you don't want to do it, move on. We'll, we'll, we'll replace you. It's like, fine. I'm like, I don't care. The only person that can't re- be replaced is me. So get with the programme. Ain't that the truth? But do you know, but they, that's the thing is like, it's like if you're up front and you're honest, it's like, do you know what? Seriously, like they're not bothered. And and I think when, when you're that, I guess, I mean, it might be a bit brash for some people, but... That's that's the way we are as a band and everybody knows it. And we're all standing on that stage because we all want to be on that stage playing as a band. I don't think it's brash. I think it's bold, brave and brilliant. And uh, <laughs> that is what you are because, you know, you've, you've just been such a, a force in the last hour of positivity. And oh, uh, it's no, it's so, I, and, and I know. You, know, you got oh, me on a good day. Yeah, but you know. <laughs> I, I hear you a lot, Charlie, and I hear you on interviews and I, you know, you are there, you're out there and you are front and centre, you know, kind of in your industry, keeping it going. And as you said at the very beginning, actually, if you're a bloke, I think you're, you know, you, you would have had way more accolades than than you have in your career. But I, Do you I know what? I'd, ra- I'd rather have the record sales. Exactly. I was going to say, I hope the record sales mean, <laughs> mean that you, actually... That's, that's so I'll shallow, that. isn't it? I'd much rather have the, my bank balance than be cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's an also, because you got to that stage where you could say that. And, and, I know. You know it's, that's, I, that's the thing with being old, having that freedom is like you can just be upfront and all yeah, and awards like, awards don't mean anything until you get one and then it, they're really important it's yeah like, <laughs> when you get it and it's sit, when it's sitting there on top of your, of your fireplace you're kind of going yeah that's that's me um, <laughs> well look you've got plenty of awards as well and you will continue to just absolutely rock it thank you so much oh, for, uh, thanks, for coming Gabby. on it's been so lovely chatting to you and uh go and play with your leaf blower and, is it, how uh, sad is that that you get to a point in your life where you, where you literally get excited about a leaf blower i think that's I a mean, good point of your life <laughs> yeah i'm literally that's a thing of beauty the satisfaction of blowing leaves around the garden is beyond. I get so excited. I'm like, oh, look at that lovely pile. I love a pile. Like, <laughs> Go make a big pile uh, of leaves and of more cash and definitely. sell loads of records and uh, keep being brilliant. Thank you so much. And you, Missies. I will speak Take to you care. soon. Bye, bye, bye. I love Charlene. She is so full of energy and passion and straight to the point and a wonderful example, I think, of just keeping doing those things that you love, not stopping and not getting off that stage as well. Long may that continue. Sadly, because she's so busy and touring, I couldn't quite get her diary and my expert today to collide. So um, we're going to get straight to the point. Today, we're talking about sex. Well, I'm delighted to say my expert today is the wonderful Dr. Shazadi Harper from the Harper Clinic, uh, who we've heard on Midpoint before, but I just think you can never hear from Dr. Shazadi Harper too many times. Uh, So thank you for your time today. And I'm going to be really specific with you about what I want to talk about, which is libido, um, because people don't like talking about that anyway, do they? I mean, it's sex. We're British, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and so explain what happens with hormones with regard to libido in midlife. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. We don't want to talk about it. Or we don't like talking about it. And I think when we're in our younger selves, we can't imagine um, people in midlife even having sex. So I think, yes, <laughs> I think it's important to sort of cross that bridge and talk about it because hormones are changing. And We talk about, for female hormones, estrogen and progesterone, but there's also testosterone at play here. And so in perimenopause, as our hormones start to sort of go on that downward slant, so many things happen to us. And, you know, the loss in libido is multifactorial. I think that's the other thing to remember, because it's not just hormones, but yes, your estrogen levels are declining, your progesterone levels are declining, your testosterone levels are half of what they were in your 20s. You're feeling tired, maybe anxious, insomnia, not sleeping so well, 
flatness of mood. But then there's also those physical changes that come with hormonal change, like weight gain, particularly around the middle, thinning hair, dry skin, wrinkles. So from a woman's sort of psychological viewpoint, you know, she's losing her confidence, her self-esteem. So, um, you know, so no wonder she doesn't want to get jiggy. You know, um, she's not thinking about sex because she's tired. Often we don't talk about testosterone in the same way as we do for men, but it is really important for energy for us and for libido. And because those levels are declining, our sort of desire. And it's not just the fact that you don't want to have sex with your partner. You just don't want to have sex with anybody. Yeah. And that's the important differentiation, isn't it, actually? Because I think there's that whole feeling that a lot, I've talked to a lot of friends who thought that it was their partner who they weren't attracted to anymore. And um, and actually, when they finally did do something about it and go and uh, get some hormones, they realised that actually it wasn't their partner at all. It was just them. They, they just really didn't feel that desire anymore. And that is, it's too soon in life, isn't it? To just give up on that and, you know, to say, this is me then, I'm done now. <laughs> but I think I think women did think like that. And I think, you know, one of my screening questions often is to women when they say to me that loss of libido, I say, well, look, if someone like Bradley Cooper or your kind of celebrity crush or whoever was to walk into the room and say to you, hey, Gabby, come on, let's go and get jiggy or something. What would you say? And most of them say, no, I'd rather have a cup of tea and a slice of cake with him. And then, you know, it's not just your partner. It is just the fact that your hormones, your body, all of those things are changing um, in you. And yes, it is way too early. I mean, so many women are starting or embarking on new relationships or, you know, so, so, you know, we are at a very vibrant changing point in our life where I think, you know, nowadays we are living quite a different life to previous generations. Yeah. And you have um, patients who, who come to your clinic all ages, don't you? I and mean, you were telling me once about, uh, you know, I know you patient confidentiality, but a woman in her eighties who wanted to keep her sex life as, as uh, busy as possible, let's say. Yeah, and <laughs> one of the other big symptoms around this time is vaginal dryness, changes around your vagina. But it's not just vaginal dryness, you can get clitoral atrophy, you know, sort of vulval dryness. And, that, and that's just uncomfortable anyway, whether you're having sex or not, you don't want that happening, do you? So yeah, 100%, it's, 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 it's uncomfortable. So you're, you know, exercising, you can feel it, you know, it feels that horrible friction, that discomfort. Yes, we, people talk about lubes and, um, you know, talk about creams. Anybody or every woman should be on local estrogens and also incorporate a sex toy into your into your sort of routine almost um from a medical point of view you know i often say to women look you've got to go away and do some homework you, you you've got to learn to get that mind body connection again and um you know sort of relight your fire do it on your own before you go into kind of couple play and um and and you know a sex toy can be very helpful because it helps to sort of improve the circulation it helps to improve nerve endings and orgasms are good for you i think we've talked about this before orgasms are good for you and you know you either use it or lose it yeah just remind us again uh, why orgasms are good for us so orgasms are good for us in a number of ways, because if we don't use it, then our vagina can actually shrink, contract. And what orgasms do is the blood flow increases the blood flow. It helps release endorphins. Also, that sort of hug hormone, oxytocin. So it's good for bonding. So it's about intimacy, not just about the physical mm -hmm. act. It's also about intimacy and connection. I have women that come and see me that say they've been married for 25 years and the loss of libido and the discomfort of vaginal dryness is causing a rift in their marriage, in their relationship, which is really sad when you've been together for so long. Yeah, and I think that is the the wider kind of issue, isn't it, here? Because there is the, within that relationship, wanting to kind of maintain intimacy and having your, you know, desires there and your libido there, but also then how that kind of like spirals around your the rest of your life. Could you think back to kind of your 20s or your 30s, you know, when you were younger in relationships and, and that energy that you get from, from being in a relationship like that. So that then kind of is related to how you deal with stresses and strains in family life and kids and teenagers. And I think that also leads on to, you know, why testosterone is also important in a woman's life. Because, yes, your hormones, estrogen and progesterone help with a sort of vaginal dryness from, you know, your sleep issues. But that energy, that buzz, testosterone is almost like that missing piece of the jigsaw or that cherry on the cake feeling that gives you that the, the sort of almost like that joie de vivre, that va va voom back into your life. And it's equally important for women as it is for men. You know, it helps with sort of your brain health and your bone health. 
your muscles, because, you know, we as women start to lose muscle bulk around this time. And often because we lose muscle bulk, we end up also gaining weight because we're not burning off the calories in the same kind of way. So um, I do believe that testosterone is an important game player for most women, maybe not for every woman, but for Mm -hmm. most women, for so many points, not just their sex and libido, but for energy and general health. And is there anything that has been proven in terms of, or any any negative kind of downside to to having a little bit of a boost of testosterone? As long as it's being monitored, you know, as in, you know, you've had a blood test at the beginning to make sure that you're okay and somewhere down the line, as long as you've been prescribed the right dose, there shouldn't be a downside. I mean, often women worry about sort of moustaches, hairy chins, deep voice, that shouldn't happen. Obviously, if you um, have too much of it, then there can be those kind of side effects. You can get things like clitoromegaly. But, you know, these are rare side effects if you're overusing it. But, you know, mm. in the safe hands, in the right dose, there shouldn't be any side effects, no. I noticed a difference within a couple of weeks in terms of how I was feeling. Personally, I would agree with you. You know, I mean, if I miss a day or two, I feel the difference. I don't feel as sharp. I don't feel mm. energised. But, you know, on the whole, I usually do say to women, look, give it about sort of six to 18 weeks, you know, for it to kick in because... I think partly because you're almost like you're getting your mind to follow your body, aren't you? I, I think if the quicker you can get your mind and body aligned, the, then the quicker you'll notice a difference, actually. Yeah, I, I, mm. and I think that's it. You know, it's about mindset. It's getting that mindset right. And so, yes, it does. You know, maybe some of it might be the placebo effect initially, yes. but, you know, overall, yes, it does take, you know, you know about six to eight weeks, I would say. And the more in. you do, the more you do, right? Yeah. You know, it's a bit like... <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a real sexually liberating time for so many women as well, you know, as you know, especially as they enter into menopause, they're not having to think about contraception. It can be quite liberating, quite freeing. You know, women are a bit maybe a bit more outspoken. They get their confidence back. They get their voice back. So it can be almost like a sexual liberation at this point. Lovely, lovely stuff. <laughs> Thank you so much to Dr. Shazadi Harper, who is one of a handful of high-profile doctors who are really pushing hard for the HRT conversation to have more positives than negatives. She is a super woman. I absolutely love Charlene's approach to life. It seems to have been solidified in midlife as well. She knows what she wants. She is not going to beat about the bush. There's an urgency with her, even now, which I love hearing. And she's performing. She's out there on stage. So catch her if you can, because her voice is just as soulful as ever and the songs is beautiful. If you'd like to continue the conversation, conversation or you've got any ideas for topics for us to discuss please join the midpointers facebook group by searching the midpointers on facebook i'm delighted to say that solgar are back on board again for another series of the midpoint and they've been hard at work launching a series of new gold standard products including their new ultimate calm and ultimate calm daily koji zinc and koji iron and of course their menu prime which i've mentioned before and you get 30 percent off now use the discount code gabby logan all uppercase to get 30% off their products, solgar.co.uk. You can have a look at some of their new products there. And thank you, of course, as well to Lauren Armstrong Carter from Rethink Audio for producing and to you for listening. I'll see you soon. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.